Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to our third installment of the CUDA Confidential Podcast. I'm Nick Nolenberger, joined alongside by marketing coordinator Joey Goldstein. Goldie, it's been a, a good couple weeks. I think we'll just keep uh, keep on chugging along here. I'm Mr. Manager now. Mr. Manager. Yeah. Broadcast Mark- manager. Marketing manager. Okay. Coordin- okay, coordinator. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Marketing manager. Yeah. It's all right. Keeps on. It's all right. How many new cards? Have you gotten a lot of new business cards? A lot. Yeah. They yeah. look pretty good, too. Yeah, each year we've had, to, we had to, we've had to change them up a little bit. But. Do you know what's looked pretty good, too, is uh, the Barracuda. I think it's been a pretty good start. Another win last night over rival to Stockton. He kind of revenged the only regulation loss that San Jose had earlier this season back on October 21st. And a bit of a slow-moving first period. I thought I liked the way San Jose played. They were just a bit snake-bitten. John Gillies was really the difference in the opening 20 minutes. But the floodgates opened up at that middle frame, and it leads to a 5-2 win. Yeah, Gillies was good. I thought the first period, I mean, I think maybe I saw it a little bit opposite you. Did I just, it didn't feel like San Jose got into much of a rhythm. It, anytime they got on the power play, it just seemed like they, could, they couldn't get into the zone and get in cleanly and really set anything up. So it just seemed like they just had a little bit of trouble getting their legs under them, but obviously once the first period passes, we get to the second period, which has been the best year, best period we've had all season, kind of consistently, so things kind of picked up from there, and then you know, the rest was history. Yeah, it's been incredible how good that second period has been. We've, we've t- touched on it with Coach Sommer about what, what does he think is the reason for that. There's no real rhyme or reason so far. His team has just made some good intermission adjustments. I mean, it, it's been incredible how many more goals they've scored in that middle period um, compared to the first and third period. Third has been a little bit better than the first. First has just for whatever been for whatever reason, been a slow-moving kind of opening gates kind of start to games for San Jose. They do not score that first, but they did outshoot Stockton last night 13-7 to in that opening period. Again, give credit to Gillies. I think his, he not only was he coming out and making some good saves, but all of his rebound control was in the corners. San Jose would get some good grade-A looks, but everything was steered into the corners and kind of ousted and negated any sort of secondary opportunities. But in that second period, San Jose gets three unanswered goals. First, it's Jeremy Waugh on the power play, and Jeffrey VL continues his strong play, and Matt Fontaine cashes in. And from that point, San Jose was really able to ride that middle period. Um, they do get uh, two more goals in the third Perron on the power play and the DeSimone empty netter. Uh, Mangiapane scored in between those two goals. Um, to make it a little bit interesting, it was 4-2 at the time, but DeSimone put it away with the uh, empty netter for the 5-2 win. So San Jose now riding a four-game winning streak, going into what we kind of circled on the calendar and on the schedule a couple weeks ago is what's going to be a really good series out in Tucson against the Roadrunners. The Roadrunners uh, lost a game to Colorado, so they dropped below the Eagles in the standings in the Pacific, so they're at the third spot. But um, that's a team San Jose certainly, with the way they've started and the way that Tucson was last year, and continues to play. That's going to be probably one of their most uh, heated rivals, if not their their biggest rival throughout the season, as those two kind of joust for the top spot in the Pacific. We said it before. It's going to be a measuring stick kind of series. And we had talked about this team kind of chomping at our heels all year long. And whether it's we're chomping at their heels or they're, they're right behind us, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be that way for the entire season. Tucson's a good team. They've... Connor Garland putting up, he's got 11 points in nine games. I mean, everybody's kind of 
playing a part for them, kind of similar to how, you know, our team here is getting contributions from a lot of different people. Tucson's been the same way. Uh, they just have Dakota Mermis got recalled today uh, to Arizona, so I don't know how much that's going to affect their back end. He's third as far as defensemen go in scoring, scoring for them. Um, yeah, look, just looking through their roster, also Kyle Capobianco still hasn't scored a goal yet, which is kind of surprising. I expect him to kind of catch fire soon. He's a guy who can be pretty dangerous when he's on. And that's been one of the issues, I think, for Tucson. They rank near the bottom of the league on both the power play and on the penalty kill. They're dead last on the PK this year to start the season. And you talk about, about a guy like Capabianco, who was, you know, a catalyst on one of the best power play units last year, and maybe a reason why John Shika, the general manager for the Arizona Coyotes, decided not to recall him just the second year uh, defender was an all-star last year, maybe because of the lack of production so far from the back end. Maybe they just don't feel like his game is right to get the recall. But you mentioned they decided to bring up Dakota Mermis instead of Capabianco, so we would expect to see Capabianco in the lineup this upcoming weekend. Tucson is coming off back-to-back losses, both at Colorado, which I thought was pretty impressive. The Eagles have been a you know a pretty good team so far. You never know what you're going to get with a new team in the AHL. A lot of players coming over from San Antonio, joining Colorado is now the full affiliate of the Avalanche. And the Eagles have been red hot. They take down Tucson twice. But prior to that, um, you know, the Roadrunners had won two, two in a row and, and are arguably one of the you know best teams in the Western Conference, if not in the Pacific. So it should certainly be, as you mentioned, Joe, a measuring stick this upcoming weekend and an opportunity for San Jose on the road, as they have been perfect on the road, 5-0, and to continue to kind of you know, gauge where their game is at. Is San Jose for real? I think we all think there's an opportunity for this team to be really special, but it's still we're only within the first 11 games of the season and still a lot of hockey to be played and a lot to be learned about both these teams. Yeah, and Tucson's goaltending has been pretty good too. I, th- I remember when we played them, was it Miska was the goalie we, we faced, right? Hunter Miska in that game that San Jose yeah. won earlier this season. These two, two teams have played each other once, and that came back on October 15th. And, yeah, it was Hunter Miska um, in that game. He allowed a couple goals on 34 shots. San Jose would win 3-2 in a shootout. So I thought Miska was pretty good. He's, he was good last part, year, yeah. I thought, too. He, he's kind of the, the number two goalie a bit in yeah. um, Tucson, with Aiden Hill being the guy who took over the reins and started throughout the playoffs. Um, I think this weekend, not only is it a measuring stick, I think it's going to be fun because you've got Kyle Wood going back to the desert. It's his first time returning back to Tucson since he was traded this offseason for Adam Maluka. Those two teams have already, the two teams have already played each other, so you get kind of that out of the way. But he'll go back to a place he lived for the last couple of years, and then it's an opportunity for San Jose maybe to you know avenge last year's playoff defeat. Um, they lost both games in Tucson um, during the playoffs in that best of five series. Didn't score a single goal in those two games um, against the Road Runners, and were ousted uh, in four games in that best of five series. So an opportunity to go back, and I don't know if you can really gain that much from a regular season game, but. Um, certainly you can build and continue to build your confidence if you're able to go on the road and, and you know, potentially pick up a couple wins against, you know, a good Tucson team. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting series. I, I, obviously, Tucson's a good team. They were a good team last year. So to, to see where we stack up against those guys, it, it, it's going to be important. And I think this is probably the first time all year we've gone into a road game where we're, you know, the team we're, we're going up against is somebody who's going to, give us a, a serious challenge. Nothing against the teams we've played so far, but this is definitely the best road team we're going to face so so far early in the season. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, a, a big measuring stick for these guys to figure out where we are and, and what we've got. But they're, I think the key to this series is going to be Tucson's goaltending. Hunter Miska's played seven games as compared to Aiden Hill's four. 
Uh, but both of those goalies are pretty steady for them. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of have to see what happens this weekend, I guess. Hunter Missy has, has played the last five straight games for Tucson. So I, I don't know if, um, you know, they've decided in the desert that he is the, the number one guy. I don't know if there's some sort of injury issue or, or what it is. But the last time Aiden Hill played was on October 19th against the Rockford Icehawks. So, you know, you've given Miska the, the start in five straight. He won uh, back-to-back games. Um, it makes you think that maybe there's some sort of injury situation with Aiden Hill. Has been um, Last year was certainly, you know, those two split off, but became the guy, as I mentioned. He was the guy they went to in the playoffs. So that'll be interesting. That's something we'll have to keep our eye on. Is there an injury situation in Tucson? Is that the reason why Miska has played? Um, you know, to lose back-to-back games in Colorado, you'd think if Hill was good and, and healthy and ready to go, he probably would have got the start in the second game. I, I guess it's all um, – it'll all be uh, put uh, in the forefront and made public when we go out to the desert um, this upcoming weekend. So um, that's definitely an interesting storyline for sure um, as San Jose goes into Tucson to face the Roadrunners this weekend. Yeah. No, it's, it's one, of the, one of the many storylines, right? So, like I said, we'll just kind of have to – Sit back, watch, and see how it all unfolds. Yep, it should be fun. Uh, just a reminder to fans this upcoming weekend, it's going to be our first join-in-progress game on KDOW. So if you are looking to hear the game, we're going to start about an hour in if you're trying to catch it on the radio. We'll have full broadcast coverage though on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app and also at sjbarracuda.com slash listen. And you can watch all 68 games live on AHL TV. So you have some options if, if you uh, were looking for the game or plan on listening to the game straight on the radio or at kdow.biz. Um, we will not start until 7 o'clock here on the West Coast. So we will start about an hour late. Probably going to be midway through the intermission is when you'll get uh, live coverage beginning on KDOW. So just a heads up on that. So if you're looking for the game, you can still find it on your smartphone, desktop, you know, whatever it is, and uh, you can catch the game as well. But um, looking forward to that one. San Jose will enter the weekend riding a four-game winning streak. They won both games in Texas against the two Texas clubs, picked up a win against San Antonio last Friday. That was a final of 3-1, to one, and then won 5-2 last night against the Stockton Heat to improve to 3-1 and one against their Northern California rival. Just looking at the goals scored, um, Joey, and the goals allowed, if you look at San Jose, they've scored 43 goals this season and have allowed just 21, really um, a spectacular number. Meanwhile, Tucson, they've scored 35 goals and allowed 34. So they're, they've allowed 13 more goals than San Jose, and they have scored so far eight less goals. So, I mean, it's clear as day San Jose is getting the goaltending right now, and they're also getting the offensive production. Just look into the box score last night, and you get three players in the second period scoring their second goal of the year. I mean, there's balance up and down the lineup. Every single line is contributing. It feels like there's no one guy that's, you know, the one everybody's relying on to provide the offense. Francis Perron did score his team leading sixth. But six goals for the team lead isn't, isn't a ton. And yet San Jose has still been able to find the back of the net 43 times this year through their first 11 games. We said it yesterday when we were looking through uh, towards the end of the game trying to figure out who the three stars were going to be. And it, well, at the time we were looking, we had four goals to choose from. And kind of at that point in the game, and of those four goals, we had 12 guys register points. So each goal is scored by a different person, all assisted by a different person. So it's just uh, being able to roll four lines the way we have been and get production from everybody. It's making things obviously easy for the coaching staff, makes it tough for guys who are trying to get their way into the lineup to, to get that opportunity. But 
it, it definitely makes things much more enjoyable. It's easier to watch. It's just a better overall atmosphere when when you're able to roll things the way that, that Roy and the coaching staff are able to put things out game after game. I think that's a great point because when you have a, a, your best defensive pairing, you're going to try to match them up against the opposing team's best top line. We, we've seen that with San Jose with Kyle Wood and Jake Middleton matching up with that Buddy Robinson, Andrew Maggiapani line. When teams try to do that with San Jose, they try to maybe shut down the top line. I would You'd probably look towards that Holbgoax, Latunov line and whoever else is out there with them. But all three other lines are able to contribute as well. So as soon as you put all your chips in, you know, in one basket, you know, there's another wave of players coming onto the ice and, you know, threatening from an offensive standpoint. I touched on it during the broadcast yesterday. San Jose in the lineup last night had just two players who have not scored this year. That's Vincent Praplin and also the defenseman Kyle Wood. Yet both of those players have contributed with assists. Wood leads the team with eight assists. Vincent Praplin has six assists himself at another one last night. So You've got two players in the entire starting lineup last night that hadn't scored, yet they're still finding ways to contribute from an, from an offensive standpoint. And uh, it's really an embarrassment of riches right now for Coach Sommer and his coaching staff as they have just, you know, droves of players they can go to that they can rely on to provide offense. My bold prediction for the week is uh, I, I, I think this weekend Woody gets on the score sheet. be a nice little revenge, revenge trip for him going back to, to Tucson. I think he's going to finally uh, get that first tally of the year. And uh, Praplin's been pretty close too. It's not you know, nothing against. Nope. It's, it's not that he hasn't, you know, seen the opportunities. He's just snake bitten, I guess you'd say at this point. Similar yep. to how Fontaine was uh, early in the season. Praplin's right there, and eventually he's going to come around. And he's a guy who, once he starts producing on the goal side of things, he's going to be just consistent. And then it's who. Then once that starts happening, who do you consider, you know, really the top line? Is it that? Hopkins, the tune-off line. Is it the Gambrell, Praplin, Perron line? I mean, is it the McCarthy, VL, Weingren line? They're they're all so consistent, and they've all been tough to play against. Speed and skill—that's kind of what we've got this year, and it's, it makes things difficult for opposing teams for sure. Kyle Wood, who was a AHL All-Rookie team member two years ago with Tucson, had 14 goals, 29 assists for 43 points. Last year, he had just three goals and 16 assists. This year, he's got eight assists. No goals yet, but just through 11 games. And I think the biggest stat for Kyle Wood, and you know, some people look at plus minus, is you know, take it with a grain of salt a bit. He was a minus 23 that rookie season that he was an all-rookie member. Put up all those points, but he's on the ice for 43 points. Granted, a lot of those came on the power play. But this year he is a plus 11, which puts him near the top of the team lead. Him and Jake Middleton, you know, not only are they able to jump up in the rush at offense. We've seen Wood use his good, strong shot. We've even seen him, you know, lead the rush and dangle guys in the offensive zone for his size at six foot five. It's been pretty impressive to see that. But, you know, he's focused a lot on his own end before, you know, bringing the puck up and trying to chip in from an offensive standpoint. I think that for Wood, coming into a new environment, that was one of the biggest things about his game that he needed to adjust was he needed to become more of a defensive defenseman and then use his natural offensive instincts to provide offense for the team. And so far, I think through the first 11 games, he's been able to do that. Yeah, it's been it's been helpful. I mean, he leads the team in assists, so it's he is con- contributing on the, the offensive end of the ice. But like you said, the, the defense has definitely been a focus, you can tell, for him so far early in the year. And, I mean, I, I, I'll admit he wasn't a guy probably focused on a ton when they used to come in when he was in Tucson. Um, but defense was obviously his, probably the biggest knock that he had. 
it seems like he's starting to fix that and kind of get things figured out. Absolutely. Speaking of defense, we're going to be joined by Barracuda defenseman Thomas Gregoire. That was a segue. Yeah. Segue. So, you know, part of this podcast, I think it's a great platform for us to not only touch on, you know, all things Barracuda and what's going on in terms of a marketing standpoint and a community standpoint, but it gives us a great platform to talk to these guys and find out some of the personalities of these players and not just, you know, what they are as hockey players, but what type of people they are off the ice, what they like to do for fun, you know, what are they doing on their day off? What do they enjoy doing? Do they play? Do they hang out with uh, fellow teammates? Are they golfers? Are they gamers? What uh, What do they like to do? So this is going to give us an opportunity throughout the podcast to bring players on um, in a casual setting, get them to talk and open up, hopefully, um, to give us some inside scoop on a day in the life of a professional hockey player, maybe when he's away from the ice. And we're going to be joined by Barracuda defenseman Thomas Gregoire here in just a moment. Uh, Gregoire in his first season out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League played in one game last year in the playoffs for San Jose and an opportunity to go drafted, went undrafted before he was signed by the Sharks and played in two games so far this season. Um, but Gregoire has some funny stories about the early going of the season. Some of his maybe roommates, as the Quebec guys have become to kind of, they've uh, kind of, Frenchies. the Frenchies. Uh, who was it? I think it was VL or some, one of them posted a picture the other day and it was the four of them all in their suits and just the captain was just the Frenchies. So. <laughs> they've embraced it. Um, they've uh, obviously been attracted to one another being that they both, they all speak French. Um, they're from the same region. And uh, most of them played in the same league as well in the Quebec League. So they, they all battled against uh, each other during a point of time as well. So um, Thomas is going to join us here in a moment. And uh, he and Joey will uh, hope you enjoy here as well. We're going to chat about the day life of Thomas Gregoire. All right. Uh, we're joined by Barracuda defenseman Thomas Gregoire for our first guest who's joined us here on the Cuda Confidential podcast. Um, welcome. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, should be this should be some fun. So. Joe, I'm going to let you start because there was a funny story I heard just the other day. Um, you guys all went golfing. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, kind of take it over on yeah. and give us a backstory. Uh, what day was it? Thir- Thursday? Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday. Uh, Sunday? No. I don't know. It was sometime during yeah. the week. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm just you know, rolling through social media, kind of seeing what's going on. And I stumbled across uh, this guy's Instagram story, and they're playing golf. You know, daylight savings. We're starting to lose an hour, and I, I see that you guys were out golfing, and it looked like you guys just forgot that the, the time change was happening. The sun was going down earlier, and uh, you guys looked like you guys ended up playing golf in the dark, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, because uh, when we first started, we started maybe at two thirty, but you know, back in Quebec, when we start at two thirty, it's usually in, we play golf at the summertime. So we're like, okay, we'll play. 18 holes, get back home, have a little supper, but then we get to the 12th hole, and it starts to get dark, so we're like, uh, okay, like, maybe we'll have time to finish, and then the next hole, like, literally the next hole, it's pitch black, we can't see anything, and uh, it's me, Craps, and uh, Frankie, and so they're like, okay, let's call it a day and stuff, and I'm just like, well, we can finish it, like, it'll, it'll be funny, it's just, if so we, we kind of play the game. If you find your ball, you can still play the, the hole, or, or otherwise you got to wait because it took us like 30 minutes to find the, the ball. So we, we played that, and we actually ended up finishing the 18 holes. So. Uh, how, so how do you find your golf ball when it's pitch black <laughs> and you can't see anything? Because I saw you guys had like cell phone flashlights, yeah. but even that, those, those aren't super bright. No. So <laughs> I lose my ball when it's in the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm not very good. 
yeah, well, first we started, and when we hit, we just kind of don't say anything and be quiet. If we hear a tree, we know where it is. If we don't hear anything, like, it's a good sign. It's probably in the fairway. So that's how we we just drove with our flashlights and try to find it. And that's it pretty was, much like, it. really, really dark. Oh, it's yeah. It like dust. I kid you not, pitch black. <laughs> like, I was looking at the, the story, and you could, it was just yeah. darkness. His captions, which were in French. I don't speak French. I couldn't understand them. <laughs> some laughing in the background and then every once in a while you'd see a, a flashlight ball. from a camera or a, or a ball yeah. and that was it yeah. I gotta it ask really who, who is the best in that group uh, who's the best golfer oh Frankie definitely Frank. is he oh yeah he's would, he, would, he, would he be the best guy on the team do you think uh, yeah I think so um, I, well from talking to every guy like I didn't see everybody play but Frank is a really good golfer so you guys are living together, right? Yeah. Um, so tell us who lives at the, uh, what, what do you guys call in the house? Uh, they actually call it the Frenchie's house. <laughs> uh, it's uh, me, Francis, uh, Wheeler, and then uh, Jehua. And uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Like, we're both good guys. We have fun together. And it's just like a casual house where it's a pretty um, big house. Like, we have a lot of space. So that's cool because we're poor. So if it was apartments we would be stuck together but we have a balcony with the hot we put a hot tub on the balcony and so that's pretty funny too we just get to hang out with each other every day so that's fun yeah, the talk in the locker room has been the hot tub purchase yeah. <laughs> uh kind of give us the backstory how that came to be you know who, whose idea was it and how do you guys end up you know did you pitch money on it to all going on it yeah well it's i gotta take uh, uh it's probably my fault on that also uh <laughs> When we were at the hotel for the whole camp, and we were at the spa maybe every day, just go at the spa with the, the four together like like that with uh, Zach Emon, just a little shout out to Zach, he's <laughs> playing junior right now. And um, and we were like, damn, like, I hope we get a spa. If, uh, and we're like, okay, if we get a house, we should get a spa. And so I did, I said, well, we'll, we'll look online. And I, I go online and we see those inflatable spas, like uh, hot tubs. And then we, we, there was one at maybe 300 or 400, something like that. And we get, okay, like 100 to everybody, and we'll pitch in. And that's, that's how it got. Like, we actually got that before sofas. Before, I think, like, that's the first purchase I, I, I got. So that, that was pretty funny. So you guys have an, infl- uh, an inflatable hot tub? Yeah, but it, it's pretty good, though. It's pretty decent. Yeah. Like, there's jets and everything, and it goes to 104 Fahrenheit. So to have, like, cute little, like, designs on it like yeah like uh, like a kiddie pool does uh no no <laughs> no 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 it's only like the logo we we actually want to paint it for like put franchise on it <laughs> be funny uh it's funny that reminds me kind of uh college guys when you when you go into maybe your your, your dorm room or you've got an apartment with all your friends yeah you know you don't really worry about the the necessities like uh-huh. a couch and a bed you kind of worry about well what can give us the best time yeah yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, I, I bought a GameCube also, so <laughs> we're all uh, having fun on GameCube, playing Mario Party and Mario Kart. So that's also one of the first purchases we got. You guys been able to have? Have you guys been able to have a uh, like a housewarming party? Anything? Have you had the yeah. guys over? Yeah, boys came over uh, a week before um, Halloween, so just everybody came to the house. So casual housewarming kind of, and everybody saw the house, and everybody was pretty like amazed by how it wasn't like too bad or like we took care of the house and it was a, a nice nice setup so you guys 
talking about Halloween, you you went all out with your costume <laughs> with uh, Jigsaw from the Saw movies. Where where did the idea come for that? Um, we just went to uh, buy a costume. My, me and my girlfriend were just looking for a costume for for Halloween, and then I wanted to go with something funny, like maybe Forrest Gump just running with his hat or like something else. And I just saw. My girlfriend's pretty good with makeup, so like she had cuts all over her. So I figured I'd put like a jigsaw mask. I bought a little tricycle. The guys weren't; <laughs> they were laughing at me because I bought that. But I thought I thought it was a good purchase. It's still in the kitchen there. And so yeah, that's how I got the idea, and I think it was pretty good hit, I guess. You gotta go all out for your costume, right, Nick? You got hey, you gotta yeah. commit. I'm a big Halloween guy myself. Yeah. I think if you're gonna do it, you gotta go. You yeah, gotta exactly. go all out, hundred percent. Well, did you did you see Nick's costume on Halloween? Uh, yeah, it was um, Wild Thing, right? Yeah, the, Wild Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What'd, yeah. You th- what'd you think? <laughs> it was pretty cool. At first, I was like, because there's a ballpark, right? Like, yeah, right yeah, Next yeah. to, I was like, okay. That I, I told the guys on the bench, I was like, okay, this guy's definitely lost. Like, he, he's <laughs> not right. He's in the ring. Like, <laughs> you gotta right. get over there. And after that, I said it was you. I was like, oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty fun. I, I, yeah, getting dressed up for Halloween is, is a good time. So yeah. you obviously all the all the Frenchies are living together. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we've had such a different like every year we have a different group here, and I think like my first year was really heavy with a lot of Swedes. Um, I think this year is probably the most Quebec guys that we've had here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just for for being a new guy, how nice has that been to have just you know guys that you've been able to you know instantly find some friendship with? Yeah, it's um, well, I I think I found friendship with pretty much everybody on the team but especially when we first got here for for camp um it was just reassuring that guys that would speak my language because sometimes uh, it's it's hard to translate what you want to say what you want to uh, express and that's just really really good feeling when <laughs> it's sometimes hard you know hockey like uh with the lifestyle, like it's it's really fun, but at the same time, you you, you want you want to work hard, you want to have eyes, and it's my first year, so maybe that was really reassuring when I got back home and I had someone to talk to in my language, so I can express what I really really want to say, you know. Yeah. You came in at the end of last year for a little bit. Did did that help you kind of come into this year, and as far as being comfortable with the city a little bit, some of the people that were, yeah. you know who kind of carried over you after year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I got to know uh, a little bit of the staff, so I wasn't uh, uh, thrown in an island and, you know, got to do what you got to do. But it was uh, reassuring also that I knew I could play in this league. Last year, I, I, I think I had, like, a good start for a first career, career game. And then after that, this year, I had two games now, so... It's it's getting really better than last year. I can I can already see the progress, so that's cool. I gotta ask you. You know, there's always a couple guys on the bench that talk a little bit more and like to be yeah. kind of the vocal leaders, whether they're yelling to the other team or what it is. But for a guy that natively speaks, you know, French, uh-huh. um, that's your number one language. They always talk about English as being some of the best cuss words. Not saying that you're cussing yeah. on the ice or anything, but when you're yelling at an opponent, opposing team, are you yelling at them in English, and it, or uh. does it depend on who you're yelling at? Um, sometimes I try to go, <laughs> I actually practice them. Uh, we were in the, the room and I was practicing my English cuss words because I'm always going for the, the French ones. And so on the ice, sometimes I just yell, 
at people. Like, who, like even my guy, sometimes I, I make a bad pass and I, and I yell in French and I know he doesn't understand what I'm trying to say, you know, but that's why I, I think I got to work on those. I have this vision of just you in the locker room, like standing in the mirror, <laughs> just chirping yourself, trying to make sure that it comes out sounding right. Yeah. Yeah, I was just walking. I was in the front of the mirror. I just, I don't need a mirror. I just was wa walking in the room and just, and guys were like, what, like, is he a psychopath or? <laughs> it's pregame ritual. Yeah, I was just practicing my customers. That's, that's funny because I, I know guys, they'll say stuff on the bench. And then if the opposing team, if it's not like a good chirp, uh -huh. then the opposing team has even more like, you know, gasoline to yeah. throw back at you. So, I mean, yeah. I guess you kind of got to prepare at least, you know. Yeah, because if it's in French, I could say some something nice like, yeah. "Hey, good job in French," and you'd be like, "Hey, uh, I don't understand." So <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't so, make a yeah. difference. We saw you guys yesterday, or I guess now it'd be Monday, uh, playing soccer, which is standard tradition to touch sewer ball. You know, before the, the game starts, everybody's out there in their in their shoes, giving it a go. You're out there in flip flops. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, Gotta give uh, people some chance, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Actually, uh, it's just sometimes I do my warm up in bare feet, but you know it's uh, a little bit gross to walk around like in, in bare feet, barefoot for maybe 30 minutes. For so when I play soccer, I used to do that back in juniors. Just I don't know, it's uh, something. My my brother actually texted me like, "What are you doing? Like you gotta be a pro and." So uh, I'll try to change some some stuff. But. Oh, he saw the picture. Yeah, he saw, yeah, he saw it. And saw it. He, he texted me, "What are you doing? You got to be a pro." Something no like that. way. Yeah, and I didn't respond. I was like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, older who's, brother. Who's yeah. the best? Uh, who's the best at that uh, at soccer in the locker room? Um, there's a lot of good guys. I mean, Latunov's pretty good. He's a Russian soccer player. He's pretty good. There's a, there's a couple of good guys. If I could name myself, I'd do it, but... You can name yourself. Yeah, uh, you can, yeah. No, I, Nobody I will hear this. We'll cut this part out. Okay, we'll cut this part out. I, I think I'm pretty decent, but no, I think Latuno is pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Latuno. You mentioned your brother. He's in the American League as well right yeah. now. He's in Milwaukee. Um, you know, what did he kind of give you? Any advice he gave you going into, you know, your first pro year? Um, Besides, you know, putting on normal shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a couple of small details like that. Um, he pretty much told me just to work hard. You know, pro, juniors to pro, you really have to work uh, twice, three times, four times harder. And he's he's a really good role model for that. My brothers, me and my brother are really different. Like, I'm more of a jokester. I like to kid around and stuff. But he's a really good professional player I would say like on I don't know how to say that but really uh, in French we say on the whatever he's, he's a good professional player he's always uh, preparing himself eating well training hard he's uh, relentless if I could say so he's a really good role model for that he was uh, drafted by the Canadians is that kind yeah. of the, is that the dream for every kid that grows up in Quebec pretty much yeah, yeah. um I know that we, me and my brother had separate teams that weren't the Montreal Canadiens, but for sure, being drafted by Montreal, he, he would walk out in the street and people would be like, this guy got drafted by Montreal. For, for the rest of his life, it's going to be, this guy got drafted by Montreal. So it's a pretty big deal, I would say, in Quebec.
And looking, I want to go back and talk about your Frenchie house. Yeah. So, who? I know we'll rat off a bunch of questions here. Who's who's the messiest one in the house? Yeah, me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty messy. I heard you were a good host, though. Like when they yeah? had guys, yeah, they were saying that you're a good host for your oh, Halloween party. Yeah, you well, were taking care of everybody, make sure everybody was good to go. Yeah, that's good. I, I tried to make uh, poutine for everybody. You know, you guys know what poutine is. Oh, poutine. Poutine. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. poutine. I gotta yeah. go with the accent. Poutine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, that, is that how you say it in French? Poutine. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I try to feel everybody that people feels uh, included. You know, even if it's a French house, like. It's sometimes um, in most of the teams I played, even in, in juniors, when the English there was like English crew, French crew, but here like I really love that everybody feels included, and I tried that everybody does. So that's that was pretty cool. Who's uh, who's the cleanest one in the house? Jeremy. I was gonna say Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a pretty pretty clean guy. Yeah. yeah. Any any of you guys cook? Who's like is there a house cook? Um. I would, well, we have different stuff. I mean, Frankie's more of the barbecue guy, just the kind of guy that's on the barbecue, on the grill. looking outside and just <laughs> having a good time. And uh, I just, actually, I, I bought a pasta maker. So I, I do my own pasta. I made some yesterday when we got back from the game. It took me like two hours, but it was worth that's it. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was you probably didn't start eating until like midnight. Yeah, I ate a bowl and <laughs> went to sleep. <laughs> I made pasta for, for today, I guess. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Great. Um, how have the, you have the girl, the girlfriends are in town hanging out too. I'm sure they, it's fun to have them, you know, they're able to kind of hang out as well too, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they actually all left. I'm, I think Jay's girlfriend's leaving today, but um, it's pretty cool for them too, too, because you guys know where we're from, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> really cold i think two two weeks ago it was uh, uh snowing so it's just a different lifestyle that we as canadians and quebecers we see in movies and stuff and they just got to see our lifestyle that we live together and have fun but also the california lifestyle that there's a beach close there's a, we could go play golf and that's really something for you guys might be not a big deal but for us it's a great big deal have you guys gotten a chance to, have you, I mean, I know you, like you said, you were out here a little bit last year, but have you gotten a chance to really check out the area, go up to San Francisco, places like that? Yeah, I went to um, San Francisco a week ago, and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. Um, last year I went to Santa Cruz for the first time. It was, uh, there was a lot of people. It, it, was, it was really nice. I, you know, there's no beaches in Quebec, so it's really different. Next, next year, our resident, yeah. Uh, Santa Cruz, just genius. Being from there, he knows <laughs> everything about Santa the place. Yeah. 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 So, uh, we'll get the guys to help take everybody surfing. I, I actually saw you uh, last oh, year, you remember? Yeah, when you were with, uh, with Wazi, yeah. I think at the, they call it Steamers Lane is the surf spot. But yeah. I remember just laying there on my board. I look up, I'm like, no way, what's up, guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. That was pretty fun, but... We'll get you guys out there. We got to get everybody. I know that I think at least half the team they wanted they wanted to go surfing over the last couple of years. So get everybody in the water at some point. It's just not it's not very warm. Yeah, I know. So it's a little bit of a shock. So we'll get everybody a wetsuit and we'll take care. That's of That's all right. It'll be fun. Yeah, It'll be fun for sure. But I think we got a. I know you said the team's pretty close. You guys are. I think everybody's going golfing next Monday. It's a big team outing. Yeah. Um, we talked about that. All right. Going back to the house thing. I think we're gonna try it this year too. Is 
set up maybe uh, an episode of Cribs, Cuda Cribs. Yep. Have you guys give us a tour of the hit place. Up the Frenchie House. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd be cool. Heard you guys have a big, uh, is, it, is it a Quebec flag or what type of flag is it? Yeah, Quebec flag. Quebec, Quebec yeah. flag hanging yeah, out there? It's more of a joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be funny just <laughs> it's to put it's on a joke, but it's not. It's pretty <laughs> funny, though. <laughs> no, it was just because when we had that housewarming, yeah. everybody was like, hey, Frenchie's house and stuff like that. We just put up the big, <laughs> That's like behind, I think it's behind the couch, it's just. Put right it there. Out there. First thing just, you see. Yeah, first thing you see. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, we, I don't think we want to hold you much longer, but we appreciate uh, you taking the time. Kind of giving us a, a behind the scenes. We'll get you again on here later in the season as, uh, you know, we continue. But, uh, you know, keep up the good work. And, you know, thanks again for taking the time and yeah. getting on the pod here. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, All right. It's Thomas you. Gregoire, uh, Barracuda defenseman, joining us here on the Cuda Confidential Podcast. All right. Good stuff there from Thomas Gregoire, giving us an idea a little bit behind the scenes and, um, I've started to hear rumors that he was one of the funnier guys on the team, that he was a jokester and he liked to, you know, he t- takes things lightly and certainly getting him on the podcast, even for a guy that doesn't, you know, English isn't his first language. I mean, you can just tell he's an outgoing kid who likes, you know, he enjoys life and fun to kind of get a behind the scenes look at, uh, you know, the lifestyle that they're living away from the rink. Yeah, I think we're going to see that throughout the year as we keep doing this, this podcast every week and hopefully adding on guests as we go along and there are a lot of personalities in this locker room who I think fans really don't know a ton about right now. Uh, so being able to, to showcase those, I mean, this was the, the ideal you know, first guest, somebody who could come on here and you know, have good stories, has that personality. I, I've seen him you know, joke around the locker room, and he made, I, you know, running the social media account, I put the video up of him playing soccer and his flip-flops and he immediately was like I responded to it I, I, I let you know what it was all about and his response was that he needed to give somebody a fair chance so he's I mean he's he's definitely a jokester and, and he he touched on a little bit but it's, it's a very close-knit group and like you said nobody feels left out and that's that's a that's something special you don't usually you know that kind of camaraderie builds up throughout the year it's so early in the year and to have that chemistry from top to bottom throughout the the lineup throughout the locker room uh, has, plays a big part in the team's success on the ice. Absolutely. I, I, I've talked about it a, a little bit, I think, on the broadcast, maybe even on the podcast a bit too, is, you know, that's that's they're looking for character people too here, not just good hockey players. You know, the type of attitude and relationships that are in the locker room translates so much onto the ice and the success of a team. You know, that they're looking for good guys in general. And, um, you know, Thomas is a great example of that, a good guy, and there's, there isn't a bad apple in the group, and not only is this team winning, I think everybody's happy when you win, you know, everything seems to go right when you win, um, but these guys get along, they like hanging out with each other, I mean, even, you know, Johnny Mack going over there, an older guy, a veteran, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from, Lucas Rodil, he's an older guy, he's from the Czech Republic, he doesn't speak French, but they all get along, they all enjoy each other's company, and that's a great sign, and that's, you know, really the recipe for a successful team. Yeah, and you see that too in the Sharks locker. I mean, they're they've got guys of all ages in there. You got guys on the older end. You got guys who are a lot younger. Guys like Timo Meyer, who are just kind of you know just starting out in the league, and they're a very very close knit group too. And you hear a guy like Evander Evander Kane, who came in last year. Uh, one of the first things he said was, "You could see how close knit the the locker room is, and it you know, it's a, it's got a ripple effect across the the entire organization." Yeah, absolutely. Just talking about the shark side, I mean, there's, there's everybody is different. Everybody brings something different, but they all kind of fit and play their own role. So um, fun to be a part of it from a staff standpoint. Um, fun to spend time with these guys. They're easy going, um, easy to get them to do events and community stuff that, that you 
deal with a lot, Joey, and um, hopefully success on the ice continues because this is a fun group off the ice for sure. Um, but ready to wrap this one up? I think yeah. this is a fun one. Got somebody it. on. It's going to wrap up our third True to Confidential podcast. I'm Nick Nolenberger, Joey Goldstein. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.